Welcome back to Travels with Alicia. In this fourth and final episode, I am going to cover the beautiful town of Kobe, Japan. So I booked Kobe as a fourth city to visit in Japan. And I booked it because our flight out of Japan was leaving from Kobe. And even though I knew it was relatively close to Kyoto, where we were right before, I thought it'd be really cool to see another place. And I actually thought Kobe was a small town. I really didn't realize that it was sandwiched between the beautiful sea and the mountains, and it's the sixth largest city of Japan. So it had some amazing surprises for us when we got there. And this this is part of a three-week trip I took to Japan with my daughter Athena in August. And by the time we got to Kobe, we really did adjust to the culture shock and the very hot heat that we had in August. The food, we had already tried a lot of the food, and we were ready. We really were ready to explore this last destination. So let me tell you just a little bit about the history of Kobe. It's closely linked to the Aikuda Shrine, which is one of the oldest shrines in the whole country. The word Kobe is the name of those who supported this shrine, and that's how the city got its name. The port of Kobe is one of the Japan's leading international trade ports. It has such a mix of culture, a lot more than most all other areas of Japan. I think early in one of my episodes, I mentioned Japan really does not have a diverse culture, meaning most of the citizens in the city are actually Japanese, not of other descent. Well, that's not the case in Kobe. It's definitely because of this port city, it's a mix of many different nationalities. In 1935, the first mosque was actually built in Japan, and it was built by the Turkish and Indian residents of the community. And Kobe reflects so many different foreign countries and cultures. One of the leading sightseeing spots is Katano, and this is an area that's very westernized. It was built by merchants and diplomats who came from Europe and the United States. And so when you look around, the architecture is very Western. You won't even know that you're in Japan. And it was a lot of fun to visit that area. And they have a very famous Starbucks that basically looks like a colonial building. It's like two stories high, and it's just a very unique place with many rooms to explore. And that was a lot of fun. Also, Japan did not have a meat-eating culture until the English people ate the cows and showed them that this was actually used as a food. Before that, the Japanese had used cows for farming, not for for the meat. And the Japanese found out how delicious beef was. And now they've actually dominated in raising the most delicious beef. And it's actually branded as Kobe beef. That's one of the best beefs in all of Japan and actually in the world. Unfortunately, Kobe has also had some, some disasters or sad things happen. In 1995, there was a terrible earthquake. It killed over 6,000 people and 45,000 people were left homeless. The city has been completely rebuilt. And as a result of this, Kobe actually looks more modern than many areas of Japan. So again, it's very different in that it's international and that it's very modern. So let me jump into some of the things to do while you're in Kobe. 
So we love that you could see the the water and the mountains from wherever you really were. And it just added so much um, to the landscape of Kobe. One of the things we really like doing is going to the top of Mount Rocco. And this, you take a cable car to the top. And I am not a person for heights, so this was really scary to me, but I enjoyed doing it. They have these very large, like, gondolas, and you take it up the mountain, and there's the National Herb Garden up there. And honestly, it was fantastic. It was gorgeous. So you go all the way to the top of this mountain, and this herb garden is home to 75,000 herbs and flowers. There's also like an uh, essential oil and fragrance museum up there. And you can kind of mix your own perfumes. You can smell different scents that really are rare and unique to the area. There's also several restaurants. There was a casual one and then a really upscale one that has gorgeous views over the mountains. And so we chose to eat in the upscale restaurant and it was fantastic. It really wasn't that expensive. We were were able to get like a glass of wine and then my daughter and I ordered a roast beef and of course the meat was delicious, very tender Kobe beef, like a club sandwich. And so, and it was air conditioned. The day we were there again in August, it's very hot. So I actually recommend the upscale restaurant. They don't really push, they have a pretty small menu and they really don't push stuff on you. It was more like small kind of tasting things and it was a lot of fun. But this cable car ride is fantastic. So you take it up the mountain and when you Riding it up, you can see gorgeous, like they have a big waterfall you can see. And then as you do the herb garden, you walk down the mountain, not the whole mountain. You go about halfway, and then you catch the cable car from there back down. That took us about a half a day and was really worthwhile and absolutely beautiful. Another area I want to talk about is the Kobe Harborland. And this is the flagship shopping area, and it's along the water. And it's very large, like it had many different shopping complexes. And what I really liked about it is they were all connected. On that day, it started to rain a little bit. We really had didn't have a lot of rain when we were there. And we could pretty much go everywhere we wanted, you know, undercover. There were walkways between the different shopping areas and even over the road. So it was a really convenient area. And the shopping was fantastic. They had um, a lot of you know, flagship stores, like they had the big Snoopy store, and they had so many different gift shops that we hadn't seen before. So it was fun to be down there. And they also had tons and tons of restaurants. So a lot of the shopping areas were back a little bit across a road. And again, you could cross this road through a bridge. And you got to like another area that was just full of restaurants with views of the water. So that was a lot of fun. So one of the things we did was actually eat in a grill restaurant where they brought us plates of all different quality of beef and we could actually grill it ourselves as we overlooked and were able to view the water and it was just gorgeous. So it's a fun area to be. And and also when you're down there, there's something called the Kobe Port Tower and that's the iconic landmark in Kobe. It's a very large um, kind of it has an observation deck and it's being redone. So we didn't even really get to go up it or look at it, but it's going to have a museum in it, a revolving cafe, a restaurant, um, 
So it's a pretty interesting thing. I forget how tall it is, but it's, oh, it's about a hundred, a little over a hundred meters high. And it has several sections are connected by elevators. But it's the one thing, like when you see the Eiffel Tower, you know it's Paris. When you see the Kobe Port Tower, you know it's Japan and it's Kobe. So it's a very recognizable structure. The other area that's very unique about Kobe is their Chinatown. This is the third largest Chinatown in Japan. And this really did shock us. But I guess it shouldn't have because we keep talking about how it's such an international area. And we really enjoyed, you know, trying um, different Asian food and all the food in Chinatown because it's very different than the Japanese food that we had eaten in the past three weeks. And that was fun. And I think I've already mentioned the area of Katano that has all the Western buildings, but you definitely should walk around it. I mean, you'll see different associations by different, um, I don't think they're embassies, but they did have like a lot of uh, uh, Catholic, Muslim, they had like all different religions, they had different, um, I actually even saw, um, what's it called, the uh, Mormon, the the, the association um Jehovah Witness. We saw big Jehovah Witness buildings. And so it's really interesting in a place that uh, you should definitely walk around. All right. So one thing I do want to talk about about Kobe, which I did not know before we went there, is it's known for fashion. And that was a lot of fun seeing, like I said, they had a lot of boutiques and stores, not just the high-end like Gucci type and Dior stores. They had individual designers. So it was a lot more unique and you found much more creative type clothing. They also, and this is a thing just in Japan in general, in Tokyo especially, but in Kobe, there were thrift shops everywhere. And my daughter Athena and I had so much fun going in and out of them because they take thrift shopping to a whole new level. And a lot of it's based on Western clothes. So it was a lot of fun for us to see all these random t-shirts and sweatshirts of U.S. colleges and towns. They even had Boy Scout shirts. Like, I guess that's a stylish thing. And tons of 70 looks, you know. They had lots of leather purses and and very hippie-type styles. They even had those horrible 90s sparkly shirts that were so heavy and covered in sequins. Um, so anyway, it's, again, they blend these type of thrift things with a lot of their style. So we really enjoyed doing that. And uh, I think you'll find tons of thrift shops in Kobe. I also mentioned a little bit about this, but definitely you'll want to eat both Wagyu and Kobe beef. Every other restaurant was definitely focused on the beef. And so you will have endless choices. I'm sure you can do it super high end. I think our most expensive meal trying these different types of beef was about $65 for the both of us. Um, and that included a drink. We got like a set meal for two. So I don't, I mean, that's less than we would spend in a restaurant here in the U.S. And, and it was very, very, very good. I know you can spend a lot more if you really go to a what we would consider like almost like a Michelin star place. But there's plenty of places that will give you opportunities to try a lot of the different types of beef. So in addition to beef, 
sake is also very famous in Kobe. And there are breweries and distilleries that you can visit, you can tour, you can try the tastings. We did not do this, but I definitely would recommend it if it's something you enjoy. Um, So we didn't have that much time there. We had two nights and three days. We felt very relaxed between the shopping and the, you know, going up the mountain and enjoying the nature. We felt that we got uh, a good taste of the city and it's somewhere we would both go back to. If you wanted to stay longer, there are a few day trips. I mean, there's an onsen town close by where you could try the different, you know, gold onsen and silver onsens that have different minerals. And they also have a, a beach town or a fishing village not too far away that has a lot of houses on the water and you can take boats. So these are things that definitely would be high on our list to do if we went back. But I will say, my daughter Athena and I, we really enjoyed Kobe and our time in Japan. I highly recommend Japan as a place that you should visit. And I'm going to end this episode with some of my favorite tips that made our trip to Japan better. So I think I have five of them. One is that even though Japan is a very safe destination, I do recommend not traveling alone. Since very few people speak English, it was so helpful to have another person helping navigate on trains and buses. And Japanese people aren't as likely to be social with foreigners. And so um, it's not like if you're traveling through Mexico or Southeast Asia where you'll just have an opportunity to meet tons of people. So if if you happen to be traveling alone, I kind of recommend doing an Airbnb experience or or some kind of tour for, for an afternoon so that you do have some interaction with others. Tip number two, bring a lot of small Ziploc bags and plastic cutlery. And I will say, this is something I've done in other countries, not just Japan, but it was so helpful in Japan. Um, there was so much unique food that we wanted to try, and it was so helpful to have like a plastic knife and to be able to like cut something in half and share it. Or if we didn't want to eat any all of something, and we were you know trying street food, we could put it in a Ziploc bag. Also, sometimes we did share the big shaved ice desserts, and it was nice just having extra spoons that we could do that with. And I will tell you, we used it all the time, so I highly recommend bring those Ziploc bags and the plastic knives and forks. Even though I conquered the chopsticks, I did still feel grateful that I had those with me just in case. Tip number three, line your suitcases with reusable bags. So I just get mine from TJ Maxx, but it's good to put them in your suitcases before you put your clothes in. This helps because most suitcases aren't waterproof. So sometimes if your suitcases are thrown around in the rain, it protects things. But even more important, you can actually use those bags. We were traveling for three weeks and our hotels had laundry rooms in them. So we would just use the reusable bags for our dirty clothes and we would take them to the laundry room and then bring them back clean um, in those bags. Otherwise, it's really hard, you know, to carry your dirty clothes around in your arms in the hallway. But also we use them when we went to the grocery store. So 
I always find them useful, so I would suggest bringing reusable bags. Tip number four is exchange your dollars or your currency to yen prior to coming to Japan. It is such a convenience not to have to be finding ATM machines and always worrying about if you're going to be charged or, you know, what if it takes your card? This is something that most banks do, and it's very safe to carry money around with you in Japan. I, I felt like we did keep it in separate separate places between my daughter and I and, and not all in one place, but it just took a lot of worry away to have that done. I mean, we had our bank card with us if we had run out, but we felt we had brought plenty. Um, and we brought about maybe... 1000 to 1500 each in cash for the three weeks, and we came back with maybe a third of that. So we did not spend it all. Um, so, And we, we didn't use our credit cards. It, things were just very, very reasonable. So it brings me to my last tip. If you can afford it, bring back a haul. And what I'm talking about is since the yen versus the dollar exchange rate is so great, really bring back things that you might really like that are unique to Japan and can use. So I would have brought back a lot more sunblock and skincare. If I now I'm watching YouTubes of people sharing all the things they brought back from Japan and I'm like, shoot, I really should have done that. I did bring some gifts back for people, different, you know, desserts to try and chopsticks. But I would have brought a lot more sunblock and skincare back because it's really inexpensive and really high quality. So If you can afford it, make sure you bring things back. I hope you enjoyed this episode and the other episodes I've done of Japan. My daughter and I had an unforgettable time and we made amazing memories. I really hope you get to Japan and experience some of the places that I've shared and you get to venture to places that I missed. Keep traveling and join me soon on another episode of Travels with Alicia.